would you just lift your hands to me this morning? You deserve it. You deserve it. Can you just love on the Father this morning? Can you just tell him how grateful you are? Hallelujah. Not unto us, O oh Lord, but it's to your name. We give you all of the glory. We give you all of the honor. We give you all of the praise. For it's because of you giving us what we didn't deserve. That we're able to stand here today. That we're able to listen to the word of God. It's because of your grace and it's your mercy that we're singing of. Not based in our performance, God, but all based in what Jesus Christ has provided through the finished works. So, Heavenly Father, as we've gone before you today in times of worship and creative demonstrations, just showing from our hearts our gratitude to you for all that you've done and all that you've been to us, not just this year, but every single moment and every single day of our life, Father. If we're just honest, Lord, in the times where we weren't faithful, you remain faithful. In the times that we have given up, you never gave up on us for one moment, God. And it's because of that that we're here today. Because you're with us and you're for us. So as we go before you today, Lord, in times in the word, Holy Spirit, I ask that you have complete operation in the hearts and lives of every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I'm trusting you with the right things to say for every need that's represented, committing this into your hands. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and everyone says, Amen, amen. You may be seated, and if you would, turn with me to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Amen. Amen. Were you all blessed today by our worship and creative arts ministry? Such a dynamic job. This is our pre-Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving celebration, and so I want to welcome you all for pressing your way out on today and for those who are watching live, whether it's on Facebook or Periscope or on our online campus, we want to say welcome wherever you may be in the world. Know that God is with you. He is for you and he'll never leave or forsake you today. If you desire to follow along, you can do so inside of the YouVersion Bible app. My name is Minister Vince Thomas and I have the privilege and the honor of being on staff as a servant, as, as a minister here at Linked Up Church under the leadership of pastors Joel and Patricia Gregory. They are, amen. Come on, let's give it up for our pastors. Amen. Amen. They are away today uh, because they're celebrating 20 years of marriage. Amen, amen, amen. I, I, I don't know. I might have took a whole month. I don't know, y'all. <laughs> But we, we thank God for our pastors and for their example, their integrity, their love for not only God, uh, their family, but also the flock that God has given them. So if it's your first time here or your first time tuning in, I invite you to come on back and hear from the anointing that's on their life. 
but in Psalm 37, in verse 25, it's our text that we'll kind of use today. It says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Glory to God. You know, this is my favorite time of year, and, you know, thank God for Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I will be amiss to say that it's also my favorite time of year because of the level of intensity within the football games that are displayed (laughs) on television. Now the stakes are high, whether it's collegiate or professional, we are playing for something and it is real. Like, so we're entering into a month and a half stretch now where I will be consecrating myself daily, aha, yes, uh, to... (laughs) To stay in tune with with what the Lord has placed before my eyes. Amen. Amen. But uh, here recently, uh, both collegiate and professional football has instituted something called the instant replay. And the purpose of the instant replay is to kind of slow down the action because there was something that transpired in the field of play that to the natural eye, they weren't able to capture. And so for the purpose of accuracy, they slow down the play and they refer back to a booth that's held in a central location to go over what happened to render the most accurate call possible. And as I was reading Psalm uh, 37 and 25, I'm hearing David now with another perspective, kind of checking in with his life and kind of making a summary for all the things that he's experienced. And when I read it, it it just stood out. So in verse 25, David's saying, I have been young and now am old. So he says that that I've experienced some things in my life and, and, and I've had some things happen. You know, one thing in studying different Old Testament literature sources, you'll notice that, uh, Unlike Greek mythology and other mythologies, uh, the Bible didn't try to make every character within it look flawless. The Bible included people so that we can have an example that God specializes in using people who aren't perfect to perform his plan for their life. And so David was able to sit back and if we had the entire context and time to go through things that he did right and the things that he didn't do right, he was able to sit back and say, I, I-, I was young, but-, but now I'm old. You know, and-, and-, and for the purpose of this message in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, let the peace of God God rule or be referee in our hearts. So I, I can imagine David taking a moment to come into contact with the shalom, the peace of God that served as his referee, as his booth. And, and, and what, what I've seen in NFL and what I've seen in college, when they come down and make a ruling, the, the head official stands on the field and says, upon further review, and then they begin to tell you what they've discovered. And and I've seen David in the same way when he said, I I, I was young and now old and yet. So he said, upon further review, the title of today's message is upon 
further review. Sometimes we get caught up in things that have happened to us in a moment, in a split second, where we are tempted to believe that God is not there and that he's not with us. But if we just took a moment to take a step back and get another perspective upon further review, we will see that because we are declared righteous and in the Hebrew language, Righteous is not a term based in morality. Righteousness is a legal standing given by the judge. So when God declares you righteous, it's almost as if he said you're not guilty. And I don't know about you, but if you were a person who committed a crime and you knew you committed a crime and you were on tape for committing a crime, you confessed to committing a crime and the judge says not guilty of what you deserve to get. I don't know about you, but I will receive what God has given So David was able to see that I'm not blessed and I'm not where I am because I'm so good. I'm not blessed and I'm not where I am because I did everything right. But I trusted my life in the hand of a God who made everything right. And I've never gone without. But but, but if we're honest, David's not the only one. The mere fact that you're sitting in here today in your right mind because without God, you know, some situations have hit your family, have hit your life that you would have gone tilt. But it's just somehow that the peace of God that passes all understanding, it guarded your heart and your mind and you were calm under pressure. Upon further Review. Let's go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. A very familiar passage of scripture and and it, it just seemed to illuminate in my heart and in my life as I was studying the text over the past couple weeks. You see, Psalm 23 is quite neatly placed within the Bible. In Psalm 22, it talked about the death of Christ on the cross. Psalm 24 talks about Christ returning. Psalm 23 talks about the realities of the finished works of Christ. So when we read Psalm 23, we're not reading something we hope to see. We're reading something that's already done in all of our lives. It is the response. It is it is the appreciation for what Christ has done. And I want to caution you that if you you judge your life based on what you can naturally see, you'll have the temptation to believe that you're lacking in certain areas. And the temptation for lack calls a level of of a lack of gratitude as well. Meaning it's hard for you to lift your hand and say, God, you've been good because I don't feel like you've been good. Now, I understand I see all that, but, but, but my situation tells me otherwise. And Thanksgiving was really meant for us to take a moment to pause, to have further review of what God has done in our life. And see it from a higher perspective. But Psalm 23 and verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So I was doing some studies 
uh, as I was thinking about wants and I was thinking about needs, uh, how many of you all are familiar with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? If we could put that up there on the screen. See, the Bible is not only powerful, but it's practical. See, that, that, that book that we hold or that we have on our tablet is life. It's not meant to be something that is just cute that we leave on the table that collects dust and we read right before you die. No, no, the, the Bible is everyday wisdom for everyday problems. And so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my source, I shall. Not one. That's a deep statement. So according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I've consulted with some mental health professionals, doctors, just to make sure I wasn't up here sounding crazy. So if I sound crazy, it's day fault. So, um, <laughs> but in a summary, because this, I, I didn't want this to be a class today, but I just wanted to bring up a point and drive one home. But in summary, uh, basically, if I'm hungry, I need a place to stay, or I don't feel safe, I'm not trying to listen to what you have to say. A lot of our service teams that are going out are going out into the communities to feed people. You know, of course, the answer to the problem of hunger, yes, is God. But nobody wants to hear about your Jesus on a hungry stomach. But as we go up through the different levels of the hierarchy of needs, the ultimate goal is to reach a place of self-fulfillment, a place where you're actually now able to stop thinking about self and give to others. But if at anywhere on the level of that chart I feel like I am missing something, then I'm not going to be as appreciative with what God has already given me. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, And I shall not want. He actually was talking about all the needs you see on that screen have been provided in the finished works of Jesus Christ. So I can break up the basic, the psychological and the self-fulfillment needs into the basic needs being our natural needs. What we need in the natural needs for the body, the physical body is the place that we live. Uh, I can then break it up into our emotional needs or our needs with our soul, our will. But, but at the top, I can talk about our spiritual needs. This is what I love about God. God answered the problems that we have in life at one time, spirit, soul, body. At one time. But in order to get to us, the Lord shows us his goodness in the natural so that we open our heart to receive the answer in the spirit. So as I was studying Maslow's hierarchy of needs in Psalm 23, I saw in Psalm 23, which what we'll talk about today, going from verse 2 through 6, the Lord answering each one of the levels of the hierarchy of needs by each verse in Psalm 23. What did that show me? God had the answer before man ever knew there was a problem. (laughs) If you think about all the time you sit there worrying about how are you going to get out, God already provided your answer before you started worrying about it. So every moment I worry, I can better use to thank him that it's already done. 
So I want us for the brief time that I have today to take a further review at what Christ has provided and why we should live a life in appreciation to what he's done. You see, salvation for us was free, but it wasn't cheap because it cost our savior his life. He was in the garden saying, Lord, if 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 it was none, another somebody, please let this cup pass from me. That was real pain. So the issue of our life and appreciation to God is how we feel about what Jesus has provided for us. But if I believe that God is against me, I believe that my needs are not met. I will think I have to take life into my own hands and do things my own way. Therefore, my life is looking the way it is now. Holy living just means appreciative for what Christ has done. Let's go to verse 2. Psalm 23, verse 2. So upon further review, the Lord has provided all of our natural needs. Verse 2 says, he makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. Green pastures means nourishment and abundance. Notice that he has to make us lie down. Because we so busy trying to finish the work. And then some of us so prideful that we don't think we're worthy for God to be him in our lives. We need to help him out a little bit. He makes us to lie down in nourishment and abundance. He leads us beside the still waters, which talks about rest and security. Verse 23, he restores my soul, meaning that he helps us to recover the lost zeal and excitement due to disappointment. I'm sure if we all live long enough, there are going to be some things that hit us that make us shake our head and say, why us? Why me? And why now? My response is, why not? God is able, when we let him to allow us and we allow him to have free reign in our life, which causes us to rest, he's able to give us our excitement back, our zeal back. You know, the things that you let die and you put on the shelf as if they weren't going to happen. If you stopped worrying about how, God will show you when. When it talks about uh, he leads me in the paths of righteousness, it means being protected along where he's called you to go. So we don't have to worry about safety when we're trusting in our shepherd. This past Thursday, Minister Nehemiah and I, we went to a school to to minister the word of God to students. And while we were there at that school, we know the Lord sent us there. We know he called us there. We were sitting there ministering to the students. I was on one end of the auditorium. Minister Nehemiah was on the other end of the auditorium ministering to his group of men that we were talking to. All of a sudden, one of the teachers came in and said, "Um, I really don't know how to say this nicely, but um, there's an active shooter in the area. We're on lockdown. 
Thank you. <laughs> and in that moment, because I was studying this message that the Lord wanted me to share today, I thought about the fact that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake because of his character. And there was a sense of peace that came over not only my spirit, but I looked over at Nehemiah and he gave me that nod like, let's go. And <laughs> you got to love a youth pastor that's like that. And, and we knew that God was with us. What, what happened there? It was a lesson for the people we were ministering to that we have an authority protecting us that's higher than the cops outside. So we were able to talk to young men's life and tell them, you don't have to be afraid of anything. And then I began to think about the times that God has protected me before that happened. So you've got some lion and some tigers and some bear stories when things hit you. Don't act all brand new just because you got some money. You remember when you didn't have anything and you had to have some grit where it was no one but you. And when you get hit, you have to remember that the same God that was with you when you didn't have anything to rub together is the same God that has caused you to move forward where you are today. And of course, everything went well, but it was a lesson that where God sends you, he is obligated to protect you. When we talk about the uh, for his namesake or God's character. This is huge. This is huge. So any lack of doubt is not really about a doubt in your ability. It's a lack of trust in God's ability to bring his word to pass in your life. See, God, he, he's, he's not tripping because you don't have it together. He knew that. All he's saying is, can you just trust me to be me in your life? I don't have time to go there, but Romans 1 1 and 17 talks about here is the righteousness or here is the right relationship with God revealed from faith to faith. The word that first faith means man's response. The second faith is God's faithfulness. So here in is a perfect relationship with God revealed. It's all based in your response to God's faithfulness. The just shall live by their response of appreciation to God. So could it be my level of gratitude is also the quality of my life? Let us keep reading. So not only has God, upon further review, provided all of our natural needs, but upon further review, the Lord has provided all of our emotional needs. We're down in verse four now. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let me sit right here and talk about this valley real quick, because if we're honest, we don't know how to address this valley properly. And we let this valley trip us up. The valley of the shadow of death or the dark valleys of our life are seasons of darkness and deepest gloom that cause us to be imprisoned by our own chains of misery. So what makes it a dark valley is that we chain ourselves to a temporary situation.
Yea, though I walk, you weren't supposed to sit. And tell you to rehearse that dark valley. Because here's the reality. It's going to get dark for everybody. But upon further review, the scripture didn't end during my dark season. It said, I will not fear. And I will fear no evil because you are with me. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that it's perfect love that gets rid of fear. The word perfect doesn't mean without flaw. The word perfect means knowing how much you are loved gets rid of any level of fear in your life. Do I have any parents in here? Any parents? Any parents by a show of hands? All right, parents, I speak on you right now. You're all billionaires, all right? So you're a billionaire. Amen. Glory to God. Billionaire parents everywhere. Hallelujah. Oh, Boshaka. I got you. I got you. All right. All right. And, and, and so let's just say your child had a need that they had and they came to you with that need. And let's just say the need amounted to about $20, $25 and they don't make any money. But they're hesitant and would even be willing to suffer because they think $25 is too much to ask from you. If the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, when David says, when I consider the heavens and the works of your hands, could it be that we're having trouble asking a billionaire for a cup of coffee? Yea, though I walk through this valley, he's not going to leave me in that valley. I won't be afraid because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Holy Spirit is the comforter because he knew in life, I'm telling you, there will be some times that would be uncomfortable. And it doesn't matter what you walk through as long as you know who's walking with you through what you're walking through. And that we have to remain constant Throughout every season of our life, whether it's the high seasons or whether it's the low seasons, as long as we stay constant because we're trusting in a constant love that would never leave us and that would never forsake us. But if I believe that the presence of a dark season means the absence of my needs being met, then I will park in a season that was only meant to be temporary. So the Lord shows us that he loves us, that we belong to him. You know, Psalm 138 and 7 says, though I'm surrounded by troubles, Lord, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and power of your right hand saves me. Psalm 34 and 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But upon further review, the Lord delivers him. Out of them all. Really quick, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to talk about this dark season because there, there are a couple of characters within Scripture that people get hung up on when it comes to the dark times in their life. Now, I, I want you to notice that it did not say God created the dark valley. I want you to notice that God didn't say in the dark valley, I'm going to teach you through this pain. 
He didn't say any of that. And, and so I don't have a lot of time, but just for the brief time that I have, I want to deal with some theological elephants to knock out the way of you thinking that God could possibly be bad concerning your life. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses seven through 10. This is Paul talking. How many of you have, are familiar with the thorn in the flesh story about the, the thorn in the flesh Paul was talking about? Let's look at this even closer. It says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So what it's saying is that uh, there are going to be things in life that remind us that we still need Jesus. You could, you could sit here all day long and hear all of this word, but never exercise any of it. It is no profit to you. And if you sit here and think just because you heard a word, went to a conference, have a book, that you are exempt from trouble, you are mistaken as well. So Paul was actually frustrated, and I've been there where I've been frustrated on why is the same thing happening to me that I, I thought would not happen to me, but it's happening to me. Anybody else been there where it's just happening to me? Yeah, so Paul was like us, where Paul was wondering, why is this happening to me? And so notice now, the thorn of the flesh was not a messenger of God. The thorn of the flesh was a messenger from who? From Satan. And so he went to the Lord and he pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave. And God responded to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect or is attracted to when you're weak. But I, that, that wasn't good enough for me, though, because I was I was I was kind of wondering, y'all, like. You know, Lord, in your word, you said that if we ask anything touching the green, it's done. And Paul asked you three times. And you gave him some response about your grace is sufficient. And I said, Lord, let us reason together. Let's talk. You know, it's okay to have some conversation, some dialogue with the Lord. I was having some dialogue. I wanted some answers. <laughs> the Lord so gently re uh, responded to me by saying, if you would just read the scripture, Paul was asking me to do something I had already done. Paul was presenting the problem. God presented the answer that he already provided. So a lot of times we're asking, Lord, rescue me from this situation. But we fail to appreciate the grace that's within us that has caused us to be victorious in every situation. If you are going to be successful, you have to stop crying about what happened to you and just say, no matter what happens, my God is greater than what I'm facing. I don't know any championship team that didn't have to win any game or win any battle to be victorious. The fight of the Christian is to remain in faith. The fight of the Christian is to continue to respond that God is faithful, that he never leave me, that he's always there for me, not to cry. We, 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 we got this kind of mixed up here. Well, we complain about the grace that we were given to use in life. Amen. 
But finally, or verse 5, you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. So God now shifts from being shepherd to host. And the host's responsibility in the near, ancient Near East was more than just providing food. But it was to guarantee their peace and their safety in their presence. You, provide, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup has a generous supply more than I'll ever need. So finally, upon further review, the Lord has provided our spiritual needs as well. Verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy there in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, it's the word chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. This word is the most essential part of God's character and his faithfulness to us. God's goodness and his mercy also in the New Testament is translated with the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, which is grace. So no matter where you look in the word of God, his grace is there. No matter where you look in your life, his grace is there. God has provided all of your needs. As I thought about the different moments in my life, the times that were just completely what I thought were unbearable, I can remember being in in high school and and getting ready to graduate high school and my family hit a rough spot, a tough time where there was no money coming in, there was no job, there was no benefits, there was no anything and it was coming toward the end of the year. And we looked in the pantry and we were looking around in the pantry and, and, and there was really nothing that really looked or resembled like a meal that we could make up. But somehow my mom just being led of the Spirit, just begin to reach and find some different materials, put them in a pot. And I kid you not, in that moment, it was like that pot would never empty. See, it's even in the dark places that God shows you his miraculous power. And so that, that, that part, I'm not, I'm not even done there. So, so when you use all of the stuff, that means that there is nothing left in the cupboard. There's nothing. We're thousands of miles away from family. Thousands of miles away from people who knew what we were dealing with. And we opened up the pantry and there was nothing in there. We were hungry. With no money. No credit. Nothing. And I'll never forget this. Because it, it, it was the most hopeless we'd ever been as a family. My mom was a single mother raising two boys in a private school with no money. That's God as well. And I won't forget. Two ladies 
said, God told us to go to this store. And they filled their entire vehicle up with groceries. We were helpless. We were hopeless. But God, he was still good. And I remember that Christmas. We didn't have money for gifts. But we were able to see God's goodness still in that pantry. And my mother, my brother, and I, we went to that pantry. And we found what we could make. My mom made her famous fajitas. My brother made his famous fried chicken. I put the cookies on the cookie sheet because that was all I could make. (laughs) And we were able to say, God, you are so good. That even in that dark moment, that not only are you good, but you're better than good. Because what I thought was my lowest is now used to speak to thousands of people to tell them that God won't leave you. He'll never forsake you. And upon further review, he is always there for you. So we could just stand to our feet. I want us to sing a song that's just been in my heart about how good God is. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands to him? Can you think of a time when it looked like it was over, but God stepped in? Can you just lift your hands and say, Father, even if that's you right now, you're still good. You're better than good. 